Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I got promoted to director and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be able to buy this and that. And then I thought, I was like, I'm empty. Nearly two years ago, I was like, I'm going to edit myself. I'm going to teach myself to edit. So I downloaded Premiere Pro. I was like, all right, I'm only going to get the results I want if I put in the hours. So I was spending like 25 hours editing a video. And they're like, oh, this guy's nailing, must have a brilliant life. Well, it's not always that simple, you know. Sacrifice, putting in hours and hours and endless days. I sacrificed, I lived somewhere I didn't have any, like, I didn't know anyone. And I sacrificed friends and social life to grow my business. This week on the 490 podcast, we're joined by YouTube sensation and EAFC content creator, Chuffsters. He tells us how he went from three years ago, not even knowing what a YouTuber was, to now being one of the platform's leading creators. We also dive into life as a dad whilst balancing the highs and lows of YouTube and being a content creator full time. This is a podcast you do not want to miss. Welcome to the 490 Podcast. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Welcome back to the 490 Podcast. And I know I always say this, Richard, but this one is a very inspiring story, in my opinion, from someone that completely changed their career and has become, if not probably number one, EAFC football FIFA content creator there is yeah uh, a YouTube sensation superstar inspiring entertaining um, so many superlatives to describe this man average over his YouTube channel I think there's it's about 290 videos I did the maths when you take the videos and the views about 600,000 views average per video incredible from the one and only Chusters. Welcome to the Full 90 Podcast. When you were describing the person, I was like, when are they walking in? Like, are they are they coming in in a minute? Um, that's very kind of you. And welcome, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, thanks Anytime. for being here. We always kick off the podcast with a pre-match drink. Yeah. I, I can resemble this one quite well because we've actually finally got a coffee lover in the building. What's your go-to pre-match drink? Well, I would have gone for an eggnog latte Oof. because it is, it's the festive season, right? It well, it's it November, is. Starbucks has started. So I was like, you know, eggnog latte, but it's a bit early. So I've just gone for a cappuccino. So are you that guy that always falls into the, their promo drinks then? Only the eggnog latte. Literally, I get addicted. I had three in one day the other day. I just kept going back. And it's, they're not cheap. They're like £5.57. Because yeah. it's like a drive through one. You know there's okay. one thing about Starbucks drive through mm. You get ripped off. So I spent £15 on coffees today. I think we're but... starting to put together where the creativity goes from. The eggnog latte. Oh, that's so good. Um, and believe it or not, Richard Buckley has actually joined us on the hot drink train today. He never normally does. What have you gone for? Do you know what it is? As you said, getting into the, the winter. I'm from the north. Yorkshire tea. 
I thought you were going to say gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Bovril. <laughs> no, Yorkshire tea. I wouldn't be surprised. A nice Yorkshire tea. This is going to test my flexibility as I reach around the microphone and, uh, to try and grab the and, coffee. And a B Smith special. We've gone for a... Uh, get your thoughts on this, Chuff. A black Americano. Are you a fan of a black Americano? I or do you was. like a milky When I was coffee? back in my banking days, I used to have a black Americano because I thought I might lose some weight if I cut the milk out. I was just, hang on a minute. <laughs> How many I'm sure calories <laughs> Hey, every little helps, you know. <laughs> well, so, welcome uh, to the other uh, Full Nightly Podcast. No, Jeff. thank you for having me. Um, thank it. you for coming on. I mean, look, we always start this story. The first half of the podcast is sort of, you know, humble beginnings. You know, where did you live? Where was you brought up? What did you do at school? And, and how did you get into your sort of first career or your first job? Oh, geez, we're going well back. Um, my beginnings. Uh, a pretty normal house say grew up in the southwest um yeah pretty normal household i've got a sister older sister and yeah just pretty average you know just just normal family didn't really have it really tough didn't have it really well just run of the mill you know um and then uh School-wise, do you want to hear about school and things like that? Yeah, that go interesting? on. We've got time. Know. You tell me whatever you... you we've got, we got 90 minutes, mate. So yeah, you literally. Go. I'm, used to, I'm used to trying to rush things <laughs> into like 10 minutes. So I'll be like done in two to kind of like like a video. Um, Yeah. I mean, school was never... I wasn't... I didn't like the way of learning at school. So I was much more of a... I've always been an under pressure kind of person. So kind of learning and then do an exam six months later, never really fit for me. So I'd always kind of, I never really knew until I went to uni, I just never went. And then I just taught myself everything a few days because I like the pressure and I've always worked well under pressure. So yeah, um, I don't know, I don't want to go into too much detail just because I, I don't want to bore you. It's okay. You, it's you your are, story. Uh, you, you, well, you, I know, <laughs> but I, honestly, I could sit and chat for four or five hours just because I love it. I love chatting. So I, I don't want to bore you. Was it a case of didn't go to uni? So did you... What did you do when you hit 16 then? So uh, I did go to uni. So basically I, I, I finished school and I went to college and um, it was about, it was an hour or an hour and a bit bus ride away. And it was a real mission to get to. And quite often you have to get a special bus there and you'd have to wait for two hours before a, a lecture. Now I played football manager back in that day. And you know what I used to do? I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't go. And so I actually uh, dropped out. I kind of took some of the exams that failed because I hadn't gone, hadn't studied. I literally just, I just dropped out because it wasn't right. So then I went back a year and started sixth form, my local sixth form. Um, and I did like accounting, business. I can't remember what else I did now. Accounting, business and something else. Um, did all right. And then, uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure on university. I kind of just, I went to Bournemouth University, but I dropped out after just wasn't right for me okay um i was in had a bit of a rocky relationship let's say which was maybe another reason why i came back but it just didn't i don't know it didn't really fit um also things had changed a lot for me because i was a footballer growing up i was football i was you know i was all right i was good for my age i wasn't like anywhere close to going pro but you know i mean i was, I was really good but not anywhere close yeah. to you know you, you hear from a lot of people everyone's like oh i had trials once with you know what i mean everyone's like oh, i had trials yeah. with Bristol City or Bristol Rovers have been man, and never for me. But that was my life growing up playing football. Football was everything. I played football every day after school or weekends. And what, then what position? Striker. Well, funny enough, I started in goal. So when I was like, I started playing football. I remember I was probably was about under eights or under sevens or something. And um, yeah, I played in goal till about under tens. And then they realized just, I was just going to be a bit short. And then I started playing centre back. Okay. And then. Um, Cannavaro esque. Her? Cannavaro. 
Cannavaro, yeah, yeah, maybe. I can't even remember. <laughs> I can remember playing it a bit, but I think that I'd always be like pushing on. And they're like, right, you're not playing centre back anymore. Yeah. And then I just worked Rich my way Rich used to think he was a centre back as well for a bit as well. Yeah. Centre back front through. I just don't know how anyone plays centre back. It's just all, all right back. For me, it's all about attacking. So I moved up front and I was a goal machine. But I tell you what, no left foot. Okay. And heading ability of a goldfish. Uh, honestly, like, I just shut my. I just couldn't do it. I don't know why, but just couldn't head the thing. And that was my downfall, really. So, say when you play pro clubs now, what position yeah. are you going to? Striker, 100%. Mm. I can't play pro clubs. Why is that? Because everyone annoys me. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I haven't found a team yet. And am I a bit guilty of this? Probably. But, you know, you, you, it, it turns into it's great fun at the start. Yeah. And then somebody's like, starts DIYing it. And somebody else, Dave, let's call them, is like, come on, mate. That's ridiculous. What are you doing? Gets really kind of a bit shirty. Two minutes later, Dave just dribbling, won't pass it. Everyone, yeah, you're like, yeah. so if, I, I guess get frustrated. And what always happens, you lose two games. Everyone gives up. Everyone shoots from everywhere, dribbles on their own. So I just don't play. Okay, I'll welcome you in. I've got a very well-run pro clubs team. A few yeah. of my friends have said you need to play with some proper players. I'll who bring you in. Play some. I will play some clubs because I'm, I'm coming back to streaming. Actually, I've got someone on my pro clubs team called Dave. He does exactly that. So <laughs> Dave, you... stop it. Where's the camera? Dave, stop it. <laughs> You've hit the nail on the head. Um, so you drop out of university. Um, yeah. What what's, what what do you do then? So you going into <sighs> what career? So I actually I needed money, and I've always been of the mindset that. You need money, do whatever. You do whatever you need to do to get money. So I, I worked at a distribution warehouse as for, uh, sorry, name the brand, I already have Asda. I worked there. It was it was not the most fun job, but it paid well. It was money. I did it as a student. And so I did that for nine months. And then I went to uh, UWE in Bristol and, yeah, studied accounting and finance. And, again, I didn't really go. I struggled. I, str I must admit, I struggled a little bit to fit in just because it wasn't, I was used to being football. My, my friends were football, easy to make friends. Could be like, I'm on the football team. But going there where I couldn't, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't take, I tore my cruciate ligaments when I was 19. And that was football over for me. Okay. And I kind of lost a bit of interest because I couldn't watch it without, I'd be desperate to play it. Mm. And that changed everything. Cause it's amazing how you're so used to just meeting people through football and that's your friendship group. When that's taken away, I went to university and I was like, chatting to people and they're like, oh, you're a football team? Nah. And they don't care unless you were somebody who like had, you know, played for a, really, a proper club and they knew your name. Nobody cared. And it was really, really difficult. So, um, so yeah, I went to UE, accounting of finance, studied it in my own way, kind of like downloaded everything and blitzed like just two weeks before exams, just taught myself everything. I got a first, so I didn't, nice. do, I didn't do too bad. And then, uh, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I, like, I just didn't know. I honestly, I, I did not know what, what I was meant to do. And I was quite good with numbers. English has never been my strongest point. I'm a voice noter. I like anyone who works with me, friends with me will know that I'm a voice noter because typing is just, I don't know, it's just not my thing. Um, so I saw an opportunity to come up and go to New York uh, as an intern, as an internship program. And I was like, I could do this. So basically they pull loads of different people in from different industries and then you apply to the internship program, then they find you a job in, in you know, the industries. So I started, uh, I worked for an investment bank out there. It's like basically like first year of university, but in New York, you're paid, you're not paid very much. You're working long hours, but you're having a, you know, you're mm. working hard, but you're playing hard. Just for context, how long ago was this? 2009. Okay. I was 25. Okay. Um, so you're at that sort of point in your life where did you have a bit of pressure from people around you being like, You've got to do something like come on like 
where are we where are we going sort of thing not really i mean no not really look so my mum so my parents split up when i was 15 years old i live with my mum and me and my mum became like best friends like me and my, i speak to my mum every day multiple times a day just chatting have a laugh she i talked about everything and anything she's amazing and she never really put the pressure on i think she always just maybe knew that it'd work out i've always i was always a hard worker i just didn't know where I, I kind of fitted in and yeah. obviously i dropped out I, I kind of like two years behind in a way um and you know i'd had a little bit of stick for it but i wasn't really i don't know you knew I, I wasn't it was really gonna work bothered. out yeah. yeah and then i wasn't like being a bum i was you know i came back I was like right i gotta work i kind of had a plan just didn't know what the thing was to do um so yes it's 2009 new york i loved it worked hard um it was an eye-opener that's when i actually got into coffee in the states I bet it was expensive there, no? Well, no, because we had coffee place like oh, in right. the in the office. There was okay. a coffee machine. So it was all right. Yeah, geez, I wouldn't be able to afford it. We we're living on pasta, and <laughs> when... it's like, oh, do I go out this weekend or do I eat pasta for the rest of the month? I'll eat pasta. No, it, yeah, that's it. Do I? Yeah, which one? Do I eat nice or do I go out? And he'd be like, I'll go out. I'll eat pasta. When you describe this to me, all I can picture is like suits, like no, not necessarily like... in that situation, but like the getting early, work hard for like fourteen oh. hours a day, like you're sleeping like three hours at night. It's just grind, 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 grind. It wasn't like that because I was I was not on the front. I was not on the... So in the investment banking world, you've kind of got three areas. You've got back office, which is all the support functions. Middle office is kind of... You've got back office and front office, essentially. Front office are like trading, um, sales, research, kind of the client-facing or real like revenue-generating jobs. And then you've got middle office, which are the people who kind of support the front office directly. And then you've got back office, which are like your accounts, your finance stuff. So I was working in a back office function, an accounts, um, an accounts team working in business planning and analysis. And um, it was, oh, it was a brilliant. It was, it was an amazing year. You know, you learn a lot. We were living just outside of New York. So we're living on the Hoboken River. You know where that plane went down? The, they made the film about it. You know, when he, he had to go into the Hudson. Wait, how young are you? I'm 25. 25. I've not seen that. <laughs> Sully. There's a film called Sully. Is it, is it Tom I'm Hanks? I'm leaving. To, Tom Hanks plays it. Yeah, yeah. yeah captain. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. basically a plane pitched down in, in the Hudson River and we lived literally on the edge of the Hudson River. So technically not in New York, but my apartment, the view was the skyline of Manhattan. Wow. It was absolutely insane. Did share a bedroom with somebody, which was interesting. Never yeah. done that before. That's the American style though. Um, so yeah, so did that year. I was planning on going traveling afterwards because I was like, why not? I still don't know what to do with myself. You know, apply for schemes, but I was offered a job. Um, I managed to get a job with the same company back in um, London, but they wanted me straight away. So I literally flew in, flew in on the Saturday, went, drove to my mum Saturday evening, packed up some stuff. And on the Sunday, we drove to London. They put me up in a, in a nice, like, furnished apartment for a month. Um, in Notting Hill, right by the tube station, actually. And yeah, we drove down, then dropped me off. So it was crazy turnaround. Um, and then I started work on the Monday. Oh, no, no, the Tuesday, I think I started. And that's kind of where the the banking stuff came from. I just worked hard in my year. Yeah. I just I just worked hard and I showed the right attitude. Um, and they liked that. And it managed to get me secure me a job. So you always mentioned about the football manager then. So have you always been a bit of like a gamer as well? Like, have you always had love for FIFAs and those games or as it always played well so pro evo was what i used to play anyone who's old will understand so we used to play pro evo and then actually it was fifa to start i remember a playstation one and it was the first fifa fifa international soccer yeah um 
I might have even played on the Mega Drive first. I think it came out on the Mega Drive just before. Anyway, that's really boring. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, and then we went to Pro Evo Soccer because it was just better game. It was yeah. it was a class game. Nobody cared about names or any of that stuff because it was just class. But then, kind of FIFA stepped up their game a little bit. And I remember one of my friends was like, "Look, you got to try FIFA." I was like, "No, not doing it." Like seriously, we tried. I was like, "Okay, it's really good." And then moved over to FIFA. I've been playing since, but I never really. I never really knew anything about, I'll talk about like, I just I didn't know anything about content, but I just played online seasons. No, no, I played offline seasons. I was one of those guys. I just never knew anything about it. And I remember when I moved to London, I went and got my PlayStation because I used to play FIFA. That was always my thing. I enjoyed playing FIFA. Might have played a bit of COD um, or what other games that I used to play? Football Manager on the PC, loads, just like, like tons of Football Manager, like life was Football Manager for a bit. Um, but I remember when I moved to London, I went and I bought my, took my PlayStation three at the time, I think mm. it was, and I took that with me and I hooked it up to the TV in this finished apartment because all my friends were traveling. I didn't know really anyone in London. So my evenings were kind of just, you know, I'd sit and play some FIFA, but yeah, offline seasons. Well, has there been a difficulty for that or you choose the difficulty? I can't remember, mate. I think I just win every <laughs> what, time. What, what team, what team <laughs> oh, was it you? online? It might be an online, online no, it was seasons. Online. It was online seasons. What team yeah, did you go offline. for? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I have no idea. I literally have, I can't remember. Probably Arsenal. I, I imagine it would have been Arsenal. But, um, yeah, that was, God, it brings back some memories. So then you, you're in London. You, you're doing the job that you're doing in, in the banking. And yeah. How long did that sort of go on for? Did you enjoy life in London? It seems like you were somewhat on your own a little bit. Yeah, so I loved, I loved life in London. I loved it. I was just on the start. I didn't know because... A lot of my friends were coming back to London from New York, but they just weren't there yet. So the first couple of months, um, but I was grateful. I had a job. Like it was really, it's, it's tough, you know, getting a job afterwards really difficult. But um, I loved it. I was there. So I was in London for ten years in total. Wow. So I worked at the same bank for ten years, <coughs> and I worked my way from a back office role to a front office sales trader within um, equi equities, like algorithmic sales trader. I can explain what that is if you want me to. Um, but yeah, I worked through a variety of different jobs and it's, uh, it taught me a lot, that industry, like it really did. You kind of, you do work hard. Um, do you enjoy it? Did I enjoy it? Yeah. I thought I enjoyed it. So I thought for me, it was funny. I thought that everything was about money mm. and I was like, why do I do this? Oh, I can earn money and I can, I'd like a plan of like stay in it for like, get to a stage, earn a certain amount of money, get, get out, move back to the Southwest. <clears throat> and then not have to really worry much about money. Um, and I thought that buying things would, um, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. And like, yeah, I just, I just thought that money was like the root of happiness, I think. And so I enjoyed it for that. But then gradually as time went on, I enjoyed it less and less. And I really started to not like it. Not like the, just everything about it. Everything was about money people you know the people you the clients and stuff not always the most polite in fact some of them are downright rude some of the, the, the crap you get it's just I'm so, I've got better things to do in my life than this and it wasn't until um I got promoted to director and I was like okay well I'm gonna like I'm, I'm gonna be able to buy this and that and then I thought I was like I'm empty there's not there's nothing inside like that isn't that's when I realized, I was like, I'm not, I don't, I was like, what makes me happy? And I thought back about the last like five years of the instances in my career and what 
times that I've been really happy. And was it bonus day or anything like that? Not really. The, the best days when I've done something for a client and a client showed appreciation. And it wasn't the fact that they're like, oh, we might give you some more business. It was because I'd made them happy. And I was like, right, this is a, I need to get out of this industry because it's not for me. I've not got the heart for it because I think to, to survive in that industry, you've got to be you've got to be quite money focused. Um, so yeah, so I got out. One last question regarding that industry. Yeah. When you're talking about money. Yeah. Like millions. The the. <laughs> what that I was earning. No, just like oh, the, right. the comp, like the banking, like the infrastructure that you were in. Like, are we talking a high level bank and banking industry? Oh, was that, that, that you I were involved? For? Oh, in, yeah. yeah, I was working for one of the top investment banks in, okay. in the world. Yeah. So the amount of money that's coming in every oh, day, you're seeing I mean, tens of millions. There were some days I was looking after four billion dollars on wow. my book, and and you know there's some some big days. There were some crazy days, like some of the stuff I'll never forget. So you'd have, and it was yeah, so it was Brexit day, and we had to be in at four a.m. because obviously the they came in that we were leaving. It was and the markets were going nuts. So everyone's everyone's getting ready to you know move huge positions, and the market was expected to drop. I can't remember what the FTSE opened at. It was like down fifteen percent or something. And what a lot of people don't understand with the stock markets is all these uh, failsafes to kind of protect fat fingers and things like that. You know, if somebody accidentally does something, you, you hear about it where the market goes crazy. And they have all these failsafes. And for days like that, when they know it is going to move that, all these failsafes kick in and we have clients on the phone. And that was the craziest 10 minutes. So at the start of every day, there's an auction. And it's basically people put in how many want they want to buy at whatever price. Imagine, let's say shoes is an, an easy one I used to explain to people. Imagine someone say, I want to buy 10 hundred Air Maxes and our max I'll pay is this. And people are putting what they're willing to sell at. And then in that auction, they will match up as many orders as they can at the, 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 the best, whatever price they can match the most orders up at is how many they'll sell. If you miss out on that, and then the market's going to keep tanking and our client was meant to sell at $100 and we've missed it and now they can only sell them at $50. Well, guess who's got to take the hit? The bank. So you're, you're essentially, you've got to make them good on $50 and that can be huge sums of money. Um, I'm, I'm so used to saying dollars from videos because obviously you're trying to appeal to a wider audience. I feel wrong. Like it's, okay. it's pounds, it's pounds. Um, so yeah, so it was it was a crazy stressful environment, but fun days, like I'll never forget that morning. It was mental for 10 minutes. We had our global head was on the desk, just like, it was like the general just shouting at everyone. And I mean, it was it was mean. But you had to do it because if you messed up, could you could lose? Yeah. I don't know, hundreds of millions. Yeah, crazy. So, so moving away from that uh, sort of ten year stint in London, what was the what what age were you when you thought right content creation and you started to stream? I feel like we sort of saw you on Twitch, didn't we, at the start? So, yeah, that coincided with when I was in London. It wasn't long before, so we had a little boy. So like life had changed a little bit. I was married and um, we had a, a little boy. And I remember I used to spend a lot of money on packs, like too much money. I could afford it with the job I had, but it was too much money. Like my wife, ex-wife now, but she didn't know how much I spent on packs. I, I, it, was, it was a bit of an issue. I must admit, it was a bit of a problem. I think there's a lot of people out there now who have problems with, with, with FIFA points and things, uh, FC points, whatever. Um, and what's the most you've ever spent on FIFA points in a year? Well, last year was because that's it's business expense. Now it makes sense because I make, but before that, I probably spent 10 grand when I wasn't a creator. Just because okay. you just wanted to do it, wanted to try and pack. Yeah. Maybe not 10, maybe like eight, but still ridiculous, stupid. Yeah. 
Absolutely huge sums of money. Oh yeah, and and because it's all it's not real, you don't see it. Yeah. You, you know, if you if you can't afford it and it hurts you like you 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 don't pay your bills and stuff, you notice it. But otherwise, like, and that would be relative to everyone. You just spend money you don't really have. I didn't really have eight thousand pounds to spare, but you just get it. Just happens. It's just yeah. And then, would you be able to reveal how much you spent last year on points? A rough um, estimate. A rough estimate, fifteen to twenty. So not. I mean, not as big as much as some of the creators, but I try and make my content not about points. Because the story of the... Yeah, because I would love to not have to spend money, but unfortunately I do just to buy and sell the cards. But I try not to make my videos about spending lots of money because I generally don't think people need to... I don't play uh, FC anymore. I used to play it, honestly, get the game. I'll take a day off work. Any, like, like my girlfriend or my wife at the time, I'd be like, look, don't you make any plans that weekend. From Friday, I am... I'm off work and I'm literally going to be up all night. Don't moan at me. I'm, it's, every year I do this. Like, I just loved it. I've outside of videos, which I really love, but I just the game, just spending money on it kills it for me. So I like to kind of, I just think that, yeah, so I don't like to push it too much about the monetary side, if that makes sense. But like, it's, I can't help it. I have to spend money on the game, but I try not to. It almost, I'm not putting sort of words into your mouth there but what you said there you know, almost a little bit to like the banking where it's like you're doing the job and you get the enjoyment out of the job but the actual like task of doing it like the playing you're not just going to sit down and play FC just to play ultimate team you're going to do it to make the content and you get the enjoyment out of the content rather than the playing of the game I used to love grinding the game I used to love it it was great fun but now I don't enjoy grinding it you didn't enjoy, the time. You play something else. Yeah, and yeah. I think, but I think a part of that is I I struggled when I started content creation of finding that boundary between the two. So I would sit and I'd play foot champs at the time every weekend, you know, and it's hours of your time. And then uh, I was talking to somebody about, you know, I was really struggling at the time. We, we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. But um, and they were like, "Is that work?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I get rewards." And they're like, "But what do you do with the rewards?" And they're like. That's like five hours a week, six hours. Don't pretend it's work. I've said this to some friends of mine who ask for some advice things. I'm like, don't tell yourself that sitting playing FIFA, like qualifying for weekend league for eight hours is work, unless what you do is really directly worth it. Because it's so easy to mix. You know, I have that where you think you're working, but you're actually just sat playing FIFA and actually you, you if you didn't, didn't do it, it wouldn't really affect things. I feel like I feel like we jumped forward. Yeah, so I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come That's we'll come we'll come into all of that, I think, more in the second half as well. But back to where we said, so when you first went live on Twitch, what was yep. the mindset? Um, where were you in terms of career at that point? Or was it just were you going all in on content? So yeah, so the um so this person messaged me, right, when I was in London and they said, Oh, you're a YouTuber and I was like, What's a YouTuber? And I was like, Well, you open loads of packs, obviously, because I had like, you know, loads of icons in my team. I had like Maradona, Omri, R9, and those lot. And he was, uh, and I was like, no. So he introduced me to it, this random bloke on PlayStation Network. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. What? The, amazing. So I tried my hand at it, but we didn't have space in the house in London. It's just a two up, two down. So I got my phone for my face, recorded on the PS, tried my hand, and it was horrifically <laughs> bad. Um, so when we moved back to the Southwest, I quit banking. Um, and I was kind of working at, I had a job at um, an investment company, actually. Um as an analyst, which I knew wasn't for me, uh, but it it was a job. And then I started, I had space. We rented a place and we had space where I could have a little room. So I remember the first time I went, 
yeah, going live on Twitch. And I was just like, see how it goes. And what I found over the course of the next few months is I loved it and I could be myself. So at the bank, I could never be myself. If you were like, if, I, if somebody said to you, oh, what you, what'd you do last night? I'd be like, I just sat in, my, sat in my pants and played FIFA all night. They'd be like, talk to you again. Mm -hmm. Or like, it's all, it's, it's, it's a bit like that. You say this, yeah. you know, oh, where do you go to university? Oh, you eat. They look at you differently because you didn't go to one of, there is a bit of that in, in that industry. And in fact, that actually happened to me. Somebody's like, oh, right, lovely. And you're just like, you've judged me already. Yeah. Don't, don't ever judge me. Um, so yeah, and I just started, I remember, I remember one actually massive point in the, like the start of my streaming, it was November. I can't think of the exact date in November, but it must've been around 2016, 17. And I was, only, I was getting like 15 viewers, right? Really hard to grow on Twitch, especially then it was pre-COVID. So I think COVID was a, a bit of an explosive time, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, I got raid from um, Fat Economist. Um, lovely. Yeah, wait, am I getting this? Yeah, Fat, Fat Economist. Jamie? Jamie, yeah, yeah. Jamie. I was thinking I was getting him confused with Nate and uh, Fat Accountant. But he, uh, yeah, he raided me. And then a lot of those people were, they still actually subscribed to my Twitch. There's 12 subscribers on my Twitch channel right now. And some of them were ones that came in from that raid and people that are still message every now and again. And I mean, yeah, it was, that was it. That was a bit of a game changer. Like it didn't like blow up things, but that really, really helped. Um, and then I quit the job as an analyst and I went into another startup. Um, it was working as a client relationship manager for a, like a outsourcing HR company, but just wasn't, I just, oh, I had an entrepreneurial side. So I did start a website years and years ago. I built a website, but then I had to build a website. So I just did it. And I managed to get myself in the FT, uh, the evening standard and things and article, got like a half page spread. Um, so I always had this entrepreneurial side, but I couldn't figure out what, I didn't know, I don't want to sell something. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Um, so yeah, I was doing this job, didn't like it. So decided, you know what? I think I can make this go full time. Viewership at the time was, not full time. Like I wasn't earning any money. I mean, I might've been earning 500 pound a month or something, but I did this plan and I knew I had savings. Obviously we had a little boy. We're trying to buy a house. We just got the mortgage for the house. So I was like, right, we've got the mortgage. So at least if I quit my job now, we've got loads, enough savings to cover us for, you know, there was a contingency plan. So I had this 12 month plan of what I thought, you know, I might get to number of subs and everything. Um, and, uh, and yeah, went full time, literally about three months before COVID. Wow. Yeah. And that was, you were going full time, just doing Twitch or? Just doing Twitch. I did do a few, but I wasn't taking it. I didn't really think about YouTube. I, Cause I came on for a few episodes. Yeah. Of the YouTube yeah, series. Yeah. I remember, uh, FIFA countdown. FIFA was countdown. Was there it, another yeah. one as well. I can't remember what it Wheel was. Wheel of Misfortune, FIFA countdown. But yeah, the, um, that started a little bit after. How difficult is it? to make an, a living on Twitch. Cause I don't think people realize how difficult it is to make a really living off. Cause you, at the end of the day, it's other people's generosity. You're living off as well. Exactly. And that, which we'll probably come on to is one of the big reasons why I changed how, how I did everything. But uh, yeah, you, you are, you, you get to a, you are relying on subs, really relying on subs. And that's where you're kind of, it didn't sit with me either. I don't want like, I never wanted people to give me their money. I don't know. I just didn't feel like, you know, I appreciate people wanting support, but then sometimes you'd see people and they'd be donating lots of subs and you almost feel like, 
I don't know what they're, they might they might might be super rich, but then other times like oh, I wonder if I don't know. You just feel I don't know. There's always that little bit when I did stream. I've not streamed in a little while. It seems to come up every episode. This um, there was always that like element of I, I think I always said to people I was like I don't even want you to really subscribe. Like just if you've been in the stream, commenting, enjoying the chat, enjoying yeah. the content is yeah. enough for me. Like I'm not doing this to make money out of it. Like I, making my money elsewhere. I don't need, yeah. I know, I also knew that I wasn't going to get 2000, 3000, 4000 subs to make it like really a job. Oh, cause you need loads. Cause yeah. the amount that Twitch takes. Yeah. It's actually, and I think that, yeah, it's a real tough one because you're like, okay, to do this, I need subs. I'm not going to ask for subs. So what can you do, which encourages subscribers, right? It's a, the kind of, but in a fun way, which yeah. might make people want to subscribe. But then you're like, but, it's a real difficult one because some people are like, well, no, I'm happy to pay for stuff I watch all the time. But you just want to, you just want to, you don't want people to spend money they haven't got. You know, if somebody can't afford, I don't want them to think they, they have to subscribe and spend yeah. money because I know it's only like four quid a month, but that is, that's a lot mm. to stuff to me, especially in this day. Especially in the, yeah, in the cost of living crisis. So it was always a, it's always a weird one. I think that that's still a, not an issue on Twitch, but it's still a, you know, I think most streamers just be like, oh, it is a difficult one. And also when times hit hard, you see it with people, you have like, the sub, I've had it. The subathons come out. Don't get me started on subathons. Literally don't get me started on subathons. But yeah. And I, I, I don't see I don't see the value on, of them unless, yeah. I've seen lots of subathons where people weren't staying on stream, not not sleeping on stream. Um, for me, I think subathons are good for charity and things like that, sure. special events. But You did a 24-hour live stream, didn't you? Yeah, so actually I've got Guinness World Record for the most offline draft wins Ever. 24 hours. Oh, I've done 24 hour streams. Yeah, I did do. I've done 24, um, 24 hours. Just straight 24 hour. No, not really any no sleeping. Breaks. Yeah, no that's breaks. what I mean. Just for me, sleep. a subathon, if yeah. somebody does it, if you sleep, you've got to sleep on stream. Mm. Yeah. Like, your camera should not go off. If you've got to go out, you take your phone with you. Mm -hmm. That's the pain. That's what somebody pays for. Yeah. I have seen subathons in the time. And again, just for context, I've got nothing against anyone doing subathons. Um, oh, by the way, nor have I. Like, yeah. you've got to make a living. 100%. Yeah. But it's just for me, I, I just, I, I'm like, I don't know. No, I agree. I feel like a subathon by detail is you just keep streaming. You can't break up across yeah. seven days or eight days. You've but just got to keep streaming. You you've keep got to streaming. keep going. The only time is if something like, you know, a serious matter comes up or you're unwell or oh, something. Oh, of course. But otherwise, you try your best to stay live because people are paying for that. When, for you, did it get to Twitch where maybe you hit the peak or maybe you hit the moment where you were like, I, I can't break through any higher or was it a case of I've just, I've had enough of this now, or I've, I've, I'm a bit bored of it or just it wasn't serving me financially if that was ever a factor either? So I was always focused on how many subs. It was literally like how many subs have I got, how many subs. I was trying to get to that thousand subs and it was looking at financials is always about how many subs. Um, like, because that's kind of where you gonna make your revenue and hit these kind of targets, which to me to make it full time or not. And I remember I got to about 800 and something and I was streaming a lot. And there's probably, I was going through a divorce at the time. And, you know, I think no matter what happens when a marriage breaks down, it's difficult for all parties. It's, and when there's kids involved, it's hard. It, it takes a mental toll on you, no matter what, no, ma no matter what. And I was probably using streaming as a bit of escapism. And I was streaming a lot. I mean, I was streaming maybe eight, nine hours most days. It was ridiculous. And I think when it really hit is when COVID started, like people going back to work and subs just went. Ooh. And this is a problem about when you're relying on other people. Let's just say you've got a big gifter and they gift you 500 a month. They disappear. Your revenue's well, gone. Money escaped, yeah. And, and 
and that's a real risk with that business. And yeah, so I, and I, I got to this and I was like, hang on a minute. Let's have a, let's think of this in a different way. It doesn't matter how many subs you have, because if you have a thousand subs, but stream one hour a day, would you rather that or have 2000 subs, but stream 10 hours a day? I said, why am I thinking about it like this? If somebody offered me a job and they said, I'm going to pay you X amount of money. What's the first thing you are? Well, how many hours am I doing? Yep. So I decided to look at Twitch and I got the data and did a chart about uh, revenue per hour and it went down. And at that point I was earning $5 an hour, $5. So we're talking like three quid, three pound 50 an hour, like, like ridiculous. Yeah. So that is when I stepped away, stepped back from Twitch a lot in terms of, I still streamed, but I did instead of eight hours a day, I'll do like two, three hours to try and balance it because I was like, right, this isn't, it isn't sustainable. I think I heard that advice from someone as well. And it was a case of like, there's sometimes such an emphasis that you have to stream long hours, but you don't, yeah, you don't. like you come on, give it your all for two, three hours tops yeah. and then jump off. And like, you know, you, you're also capturing like a peak audience, aren't you? For yeah. well, it X depends amount of time. What your audience is. And I think the true, consistency, true, true. if you're somebody that streams every day for eight hours and you've got other means of growth, because the thing with Twitch, you just don't grow without TikTok and things like that of clips. You only get exposure when you're live. And that's a massive problem. And also it, it, the platform is not developed to really give you that exposure. So back then when there's no TikTok, trying to grow on Twitch was crazy. Like you've seen, um, somebody did it really well, FG. Yep. Before like TikTok did, really did amazingly well at growing there. Like networking, everything did really well at growing the platform. And he was somebody I remember at the time who just literally really flew on Twitch. It was brilliant to see. Um, because it's just really difficult to get that growth. I think we also, the game that we play doesn't encourage, like, unless you're a pro player, you're Stokes or Anders, the, the time that you're actually on the game, unless you are investing huge amounts of money to make, to open loads of packs and to do loads of content like that, like, it's not a FPS or a, no. MMO, a MMO or FM where you can sit for eight hours and enjoy eight hours worth of, like, content yep. unless you are like either playing the game as a pro player and people are watching because you are a pro player there's not a lot to do like on the actual game no or, especially on stream um like yeah tuesday rolls around 6 p.m rolls around if you've been live from 12 midday to 8 p.m you've got six hours there where you need to be creative and make your own content and yeah. i think a lot of streamers struggle to make that content worthwhile watching yeah no that's i think that's a, a real yeah it is a challenge, especially now. I think that packs aren't what they used to be. You see it on YouTube, like because there's so many packs. I remember when I first started an icon pack video or something like that for somebody would bang because they were so rare. They were, they were, you know, turn with YouTube, purple cow, you know, drive along the road, to see a cow. You don't notice it. Drive along the road, to see a purple cow. You notice it and you speak about it. Icon packs were like that. But now, I mean, what the game's been out for a month and we've had about four. The, yeah. the chance of getting also like just double walkouts all the time this year. Yeah. So much more easy. You easier. can't get a promo card. Like, honestly, so I, I'm, how much space in a minute? Like, I try and limit it as much as I can. Um, but uh, I, I think for this Centurion probably spent, I don't know, 500, 600 quid. I got one 83 rated, whatever, one of them. Like, and I've heard other people send the same things. The pack weight of the promo cards is shocking. 
That's mad. Not even any other worse ones, but yeah, sorry. We digress. <laughs> Last sort of topic before we go into half time, um, because there's so much to talk about in the second half as well that I'd love to speak about outside of YouTube. But talk me through, I guess, the first video that, that sort of like changed the YouTube game for you, because I think I worked out that it was roughly a. I won't give you the exact number, but it was after sort of 40, 50 plus videos, you got your first 1 million big, big viewed video. The process on the build up to that, like what changed? Because you, you stopped streaming completely and you went, look, YouTube, I'm all in. And you completely like, you just reinvented yourself. You re reinvented the content. You, invent, you reinvented the FIFA EAFC style of content on YouTube completely. Yeah, I wouldn't say I've reinvented it because obviously I think other people had kind of started doing it, right? You had you had two different types, like you had Danny, uh, momentum-based personality, like people, you know, no matter what his thumbnail is or his title is, people know they're going to have a good time watching him, so they'll click it. And then you kind of crunch on the other side, which I'm not saying Crunch's videos weren't good, but Crunch would have ever more evergreen videos with thumbnails that might attract a wider audience, but not so momentum-based. And they were kind of similar videos in a way. But yeah, so the catalyst, basically, I was doing YouTube. I had uh, an editor. It was, um, it was, so actually, yeah, it was the same editor that Danny was using. Um, and my videos were just being edited in a similar way. And that wasn't me, like memes in my video. I don't understand memes. I didn't know what a meme was until like three years ago. Honestly, I asked on Twitch, I was like, what's a meme? And they all laughed, but I didn't know. So I didn't get a lot of memes. So I was just like, I can't have them in my video. And they were long and, and I just studied. I thought to myself, hang on a minute. When I went into banking, did I just walk in and start trading? No, I had to go and study exams. I had to be trained. If you're a doctor, do you just suddenly walk up one day and say, hey, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a doctor or a surgeon, walk in, just to operate? No, you've got to go through years of training. So I was like, YouTube's no different. You don't just walk up and rock it, make a video. You've got to look at it. Like, so I did some studying about, you know, things to improve. And I, I started changing things. And then it was January 2021. Nearly three, no, two years ago. Yeah, nearly two years ago. I was like, I'm going to edit myself. I'm going to teach myself to edit. So I downloaded Premiere Pro. I'd never really, I'd cut on a crappy, cheap thing before. So I downloaded Premiere Pro. And I was like, all right, I'm only going to get the results I want if I put in the hours. And um, so I was spending like 25 hours editing a video. And I remember one uh, as a, a, a FIFA YouTuber um, who said to me at the time, like, what, what's the point? Why put in all those hours when nobody actually will watch it? And I remember saying to him, I said, if you only put in, I'm not obviously naming names, I said, but if you only put in 30% effort, you're never going to get 100% results. Like, never. And they were like, mm. And I was like, well, it's paid off, hasn't it? First video that changed things for me was a five-star skiller video. That was the first one that hit 100K. And that one, I was like, oh, my God. And it's funny, at the time, I thought things were okay. If I look back at my thumbnails and things now, because it's, it's, it's an ever a learning, evolving process. Don't think you ever master it. Even like Mr. Beast, if you asked him if he's mastered YouTube, I bet he'd probably say no always, because he's always, always learning. There's, yeah. there's, there's, you know, it's never perfect. I look back at some of the thumbnails and I'm like, oh my God. Or I listen to some of the audio. I'm like, oh God. Um, yeah, that was the first video when I was like, oh my God, like I've hit 100,000. The first million video, I don't remember. I must admit, I don't remember the first million video. We've got a, we've got a half time quiz coming up very soon <laughs> so we can, uh, we can ask you a bit more about some of those uh, big videos. Just before we go to half time, Got a two-parter. It's gonna be nice. And, well, one of them's a little bit more deep. One of them is uh, a, a describer. Would you say your your content is? You mentioned two creators there, Danny and Crunch. I would say it's probably you've meshed the two together. I think that's sort of where you are. Like you've took the not necessarily the best, but you've took the elements that both of them two have 
mastered almost, and you're sort of in that middle bit. Yeah, well, that was my plan with the with the channel. So more chuff and chuffsters. I was like, right, momentum works. Natural, not too much. Because I, I think with, with FIFA content, people are trying too hard to make stories. And it, like, why do people watch a video? And this is a key thing I think about when I'm making a video. Why do people watch it? What, what do I want the comments to say? It's not like people aren't coming to learn something from me. They're not coming to see, like they're not watching me, I don't know, build a team. They're not looking for some huge emotional story. They want a bit of fun. They want a bit of entertainment. And that's what I think sometimes that it gets forgotten. So I've got Chufters, which can kind of play around with the story and bigger videos. And there's plans for that channel and where it goes. And then more Chuff was a more momentum based where it can be kind of focused. It's not evergreen, just focused on cards, but just about just having pure fun. You know, quick to record in terms of like, I don't spend eight hours recording it or anything. It's just really natural. Um, and it's worked out to a mix of both. Yeah. I'm sure in the second half, we're going to talk more about you and sort of your, your, your personal life. Do you think... You mentioned the divorce then. Do you think there's a direct catalyst between the divorce and your YouTube rise? So not really, sort of, I think that... No, not really. Did it give you more... Did it give you any sort of... I don't know, did it push you on as a person? Like, a, well, it, a new start almost? Like, I want to I wanna be me now or anything like that? It does it. I don't know if it does. Delay things because obviously, you know, you're dealing with stuff, you yep. know, and you mm -hmm. don't realize you're dealing with stuff until you get through it. You're like, oh God, I was actually dealing with some stuff there. Uh, so I wouldn't say it was maybe a catalyst. I'm kind of quite driven in ways, but then really slack in other ways. You know, I think sometimes people can see, you know, like, oh, this guy's nailing, must have a brilliant life. Well, it's not always it's that simple, you know, sacrifice, yep. you know, and throughout doing, changing to YouTube and putting in hours and hours and endless days, I sacrificed... I lived somewhere I didn't have any, like, I didn't know anyone when we moved back. I didn't live in an area and I sacrificed friends and social life to grow my business. And I guess is a factor of why I did that maybe a little bit more driven because I'm like, you know, um, I'm a single person now. I want to be able to provide for my son and maybe it gives you that extra bit of drive. I don't know, but I was just driven to do it anyway because I don't know. I found, I kind of like almost like found my calling in a way where I can be entrepreneurial, I can be natural, and I also don't have to like, I don't know, sit in compliance meetings and things There's like that. There's a business to it as well yeah. in YouTube. That's it, that's yeah. that, that, and we'll talk, we'll talk about it later, but that's the, every part of YouTube, there's a struggle from getting your first 100 views, and people might think it's easy, well it's not, because now I've, I'm, you know, it's, I'm trying to grow out a business, um, hiring people, things like that, and it's a great position to be in, I'm super grateful, but it's always, it's, it's I wouldn't change it for the world, but there's always different challenges throughout the YouTube kind of or content creation kind of stage, you know, when you hire people. It's like you think about you make 100, 100 views, right? I got 100 views, 1000 views. Yes. And then you get monetized after ages to get the, the hours. And then it's like, OK, I'm making a tiny bit of money. And then it's like, oh, could I pay an editor? So you might get an editor and then again, you're not making any money. And you've got an editor who's not great, but they, you know, you get what you pay for. And then you make a little bit more money. You're like, oh, I'll put it back into editing. All right. I'm not making any money again. And then you, you gradually build that up and then you get to a place, you know, you do anything for a sponsorship because that's what you have to do. And then you get to a place where it's like, okay, I've got a pretty decent editor and now I'm struggling with, like for me, I struggle doing social media stuff. I just don't have the time. So that's why I'm kind of trying to develop that side of the business, but there's always struggles. It's never easy. 
hold that thought there, Chufsters. I'm sorry to pause the conversation for a while. What a first half that was of the Full 90 podcast. We're off for a quick break and then we're back for more to hear from this FIFA YouTube legend himself, Chufsters. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, it's time to kick off the second half of the podcast with Chufsters. We like to kick off with a halftime snack. And when I got the, uh, the coffees and the teas this morning... There was a lot of bakery options on the line, and your go-to halftime snack was uh, a blueberry muffin, I believe. Yeah, so... I've not had a blueberry muffin in ages. I just couldn't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. The... You have got a blueberry muffin in front of you. It's, it's relatively small. Um, sorry, I didn't manage to get you a big one. This is, but... this is it, guys. <laughs> you drive to London to come on a podcast, and that's what you, that's he, that's he, the blueberry muffin. He did get two. All right. <laughs> I Just nailed one, yeah. Do you, know that, little, do you want to know a little behind the scenes? <laughs> do you want to know a little behind the scenes secret? What? That's from the Holiday Inn buffet this morning. I know, I can tell from the taste, mate. Right. It's stale. I'm not even going to eat yet. I've, it was yeah. fresh this I'm morning. Whining, I, think, I think it was. Wait, I've got to eat on camera. Um, Brandon, what did you get? I'd honestly... Mine just get worse week by week. some luxury, lovely, baked good now. I've, had, I've got a half-eaten flap... Oh, I did eat some of it. It's a flapjacky thing. I mean, you could have this if you want, Chuff. Sorry, mate. I'll pass on that. Buckley, what you got? I've got the remnants of a triple chocolate granola cookie. That's good choice. What's the chocolate in the middle of that? I think it's a big bit of... Oh, it's soft. Right. Caramel. Anyway. They just dropped that on the floor and thought, oh, let's just chuck up the cookie. Nobody noticed. We, uh... We left the first half in a in a really good place. We were jumping into sort of like YouTube content creation. Um, you know, you're sort of where you're at right now. You said social media is the next thing you're trying to sort of crack and move on forward. But before we get there, it's sort of the case of you said you, you studied a lot of YouTube in terms of like the video content creation. But like, I think you're right to say, as we did, like Chuffster's Danny Aaron's uh, foot crunch in that conversation of, these guys that make these certain types of videos, what sort of research were you doing into like building the, the, the perfect video? Was it to title in, to thumbnails, to... Title in, thumbnails. Um, what, like looking at videos, why would they wouldn't do well? You know, a lot about title in, thumbnail, structure of the video. Um, 
And yeah, and that was it. I, I reduced the length of the videos a lot. So my videos were like 17, 18 minutes and I waffle a lot. So I was just like, right, I can cut. That was probably the hardest thing I had to learn when I was editing my own stuff was cutting stuff. Cause I was like, I don't want to cut that. That's good. Learning to just be quite brutal and cutting stuff out was a, like such a, that's probably the, even now the most difficult thing. So I've edited people who edit, but I still cut videos, but I've now got some guys who are working with me who helped me cut those videos. And then we spend time together to go through and they're kind of learning that because it's, it's a real difficult skill. How does it feel when you hear like other creators say, I'm, I'm trying to make like a Chuster style video? Oh, it blows my mind, mate. Honestly, I, I'm still, I don't know. I don't, I just don't, I, like when you guys described me at the start or described like, you know, the views and stuff, I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem real. It's very surreal in a way. Um, and that's, I remember when I first got recognized or somebody, I was walking through the park on the phone to my mum and I heard chufters, chufters. I absolutely, I get really nervous. So when people say hello to me, I get, I don't know what to say. I'm awkward because I'm not, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I used to be really, but I just don't, I just feel awkward. I don't know what to say. Um, I love it because it's really nice. But that was a time when I was like, oh my God, these aren't just, num they're not numbers. This is like people actually watch this stuff, like watch it and enjoy it. And, and that's the beauty. That's why I love it. Like seeing people get enjoyment out of the vids. But um, that was a moment where I was kind of like, oh, okay. This is real. This is, this is, this is real. Um, so I don't really think about it. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. I don't see myself that. I don't see myself as I just a guy that makes some videos. What's the formula in your opinion right now that you want to share to the perfect YouTube video creator process that you go through? From having team members and having... Oh, this, it's a hard, like as I said, right now, it's trying to build the right team. Finding the right people to work with is really hard because, you know, it, it's really difficult. Unless you're paying big, big bucks, like proper production, which it's not always viable. You're, you're trying to just find people that can do the job um, and hope, you know, eventually might find somebody that can, can keep doing it, really. Um, perfect formula. I don't think that one, one exists, really. I'm still trying to figure out mine, especially as I'm trying to like the Chuffsters videos are going to change a little bit or they're already changing a little bit now, but there's be some kind of more videos away from FIFA. Uh, and that's a huge new challenge for me. So, uh, and that's scary because I've not really done those kinds of videos. So it's a whole new process. Like what do I do? I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, for me, they're like, I think the most important thing for, for YouTube is you've got to have the idea and your thumbnail. Without that, you can have the best video in the world, but if nobody's clicking on it, it doesn't matter. Whereas if you made a pretty rubbish video, but it's really clickable and it's a really good idea, it will do better because people will click it. You know what I mean, if nobody's clicking it, it'll get no views, could be the best thing ever seen. But if the first thing is you've got to get that title, thumbnail, and just the concept, is it clickable? You would, or I from the outside would probably say you've, you've got a very good handle on YouTube and, and sort of what you, post and how it you know what's sort of going to do well and, and whatnot when you look at the other social media platforms you, you talked about instagram and sort of twitter twitch even is there a little bit of reluctancy to post on those platforms because you like you you might post something in you might post an instagram story and it might not do as well as a youtube uh, do you have expectations of what you expect from no, those platforms no not really i mean the reason I don't post as much on Twitter and it's just time. And also I just, social media is just not like, I didn't grow up with social media. So it's not part of my life. Like for me to post on Instagram. So like today, for example, so 
I've tried posting things. I've already forgotten. I was meant to post something when I got here, like, you know, because I've got a few things going on today. I was going to keep it, but I just forgot. Mm. And it's, it's kind of that thing, it's, it's difficult. So it's not about views. I'm not really bothered. Again, it's not really, so I'm going to come back to Twitch. I'm not expecting many viewers. I'm really not. And there's no expectation. And I don't mind. I'm just going on to have fun. And this is what I've said to a lot of people in the past. It's not about, I don't think of YouTube and views. I make some videos I know won't do as well, but I know that people will love them who watch it. And that's all I care about. I want to make a video that I know people like. I want it to be clickable, but like, so I did a, a Meagle video. I knew it wasn't going to be do as well short term and it didn't. It was like a 10 of 10. Now it's on about one and a half million views, but it's a real personal fun video. And if you know me, you'll enjoy it. And if you don't know me, you know, you'll, you'll, it'll help you like me kind of thing. And I think that's the important thing that people, people focus too much on numbers. Sometimes it's, are you, are you giving value to your viewers? Are you, you know, are you providing insight? So I'm not really fussed. The pure reason I don't do as much on Instagram is because it's just not part of my daily life at the minute. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not, and this with a social media manager that I'm working with is him, he can be like, basically give me a bollock in to do this stuff because yeah. I want to share more of my personal life. But you also get another thing that probably hinders me a little bit is, uh, I think they call it like imposter syndrome, but you go to post something, I might be like, oh, and if I was to say it, like I can be quite quick witted. So I'll, I'll come up with a one liner, fine if you're on Twitch or a video. It's, but then when I go to type it, I type it and I'm like, oh, that just looks weird. And then you're like, you're like, oh, you get a little bit of like, oh, shh, are people going to care? Do they really care about what I'm doing? And then you get thing of, does that make sense? And you rewrite it and you overthink it. And all of a sudden it's lost the personality and it's rubbish and you post it and you're not really happy with it. Mm. So <laughs> it's trying to just be, yeah, natural with it. But you're, I don't think about numbers. you're very active on social media. You are Mr. Active. Do you feel mm. that a little bit? Like, do you ever second guess what you're actually putting out? Or is it just the case of like, you're so, you've done it for so long now where it's just, just post. A bit of both really so like you know as, as you are right now like i've got a team of people that help me as well because like i can't i just can't like be in sync to do stories every day and yeah. to make graphics i don't make graphics i don't edit my videos like i can't edit i'd rather have more time on the creative and on that thing i'd say to, to answer richard's question i'd say yes you overthink and too like if there's an expectation there especially short form for me when i've been doing relatively quite well in the last year is when numbers start to tank and stuff like for me it's like you've got to get out you've got to try and get out of your own way as well because you sort of get in your own way a bit and you start thinking why is this not working and sometimes it's the platform that's just not looking after you you know yeah. the algorithms are a little bit different but i think to to go back on what you were saying chuff is like it's also draining as well like let's be honest like i'd rather go and play football for my local team or go to the gym and have a bit of like me time and maybe outsource it to someone to help me otherwise you just become so overwhelmed so quickly oh overwhelmedness is that's a, it's crazy the roller coaster of like the youtube is mad like you get you get stages where the summer views are flying every video was like one of ten two of ten it's like Phew. and then the last couple of months everything's ten of tens and i just kind of switch off from it now i'm just like well it doesn't matter like beauty of youtube over twitch as well is that's there forever that'll get you views exposure money forever and that and that's something that, you know, some one point got into a phase of looking at videos and being like, oh, it's a 10 of 10 after a day. And then um, like a lot of us talk, you know, we talk to people about YouTube. And then we look back at three months and you see that video that was doing terrible. It's now like a five or 10, but it's got mm. a million and a half views. And you're like, yeah, you, you can't judge it on so early. You just got to just got to keep going. And, and if there's something to learn, it's like, like I've done videos um, where 
I'm like, why have I done that? Like, well, I've done stuff as a bit of a test. And I mean, sometimes it worked out and you're like, oh my God, that's done better than I expected. But sometimes it does exactly as you think. And you're like, okay, well, you learn from it. Um, but it's kind of just trying not to get bogged down when things aren't going your way. And then it will swing back at some point. How hard is it from an idea's point of view to try and have like originality in, in, a, in a situation right now where in the nicest way, like, you know, I'm, I fall into that with share play content. I do, everyone's doing the same thing. Mm. Short form, there's a lot of similarities there. You know, your styles as well. People have been trying to sort of find ways to sort of mimic them. It yeah. happens, of course, and always will. It's just, you yeah. know, the way, the way of the game. But like, how do you, how do you try and keep that originality, originality still? That's difficult because... I think like the game of YouTube, and it's not that it's artists. There's a, I can't think what the book was, but it's all about like artists. It's, it's like stealing work, but it's not stealing and copying. It's in, using it for inspiration. And I think that's one of the keys for YouTube, you know, taking inspiration from other areas outside of FIFA um, and kind of what you can do. But also just, I don't know, I, if I if I think of like a cool idea, I then try and think about how can I package that for YouTube? How could I do that in a way which would make it clickable? And then I'm like, okay, well, how can I make it a, a different video? Because I think that anyone can anyone can record a video and get somebody to edit it well. Does that make it and do a good thumbnail? It might do well for views, but does that mean what's their edge? You've got to have an edge. Mm. And this is where I think that sometimes, and I did this for a bit, I was focusing so hard on my main channel of like a story and I was rating loads of stuff. But I was like, oh, and in the eighth minute, I scored a goal and this, and it was just really dull. And it wasn't me. And I was like, people aren't coming to watch me tell them about a story of a, they're here just to see me like, and people would comment like, oh, I prefer more chuff. And more chuff had better retention rates, more like ratio. And I was just like, I've just got to stop doing this. I'm trying to, I'm overthinking it. I'm not doing a, you know, I'm not doing a, a you know, training for a marathon over three months or a hundred day body transformation. I'm literally playing FIFA, FC, FC 24, whatever. And I just need to keep it fun. Because I really did get to a point, and I see it now with some people. It's like I lost my identity. Like, why do people watch me? Again, I think it's have fun. And you see it with other people. I think the more natural a creator is to themselves in their videos, the better those they'll do for that person. Because mm -hmm. that's always a difference. So somebody can copy my video, but they're not going to be me. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, you know. Like I could do the same video as Crunch, the exact same video, but I'm not Crunch, and that will resonate with our audiences differently. So it's. You know, you do use inspiration from others and things like that. That's part of the game. But I think that the key thing is you do it in your own way and you make sure that you're, you have like your, uh, your competitive advantage. Every creator's competitive advantage should really be themselves. I remember watching a video that you did. It was right around team of the year. And it was sort of like, a, I'm trying to pack, I think it might have been the team of the year attackers. Oh, uh, the 24 hour one. Yeah. I and, did, um, yeah, all of them. I thought that were a great piece of content. Um, firstly... How much is the, like, how much, what's the amount of money that you've spent? What's the most amount of money you've spent on a video in terms of like a one single video, whether that's from multiple editors doing it, like the amount of FIFA points that you might have spent on that video as well. Like, cause some of those videos look like they might've been quite expensive, especially when you're doing ah, the pack. Do, oh, the pack ones. Yeah. yeah. Purely FIFA points. Okay. So some of the videos coming up will be a bit more expensive, but right now I kind of just do everything myself. I've shot everything myself and um, it's, it's just the FIFA point. So probably the, 
the first video of the year where you kind of do something around because you have to buy packs yeah. to get points. Uh, sorry, to get coins. So you might as well make some content around it. So this year I did one about like one gold equals a thousand packs. So I did a bit of a different way, but that's a, they're the most expensive. So we're talking like a thousand dollars. I don't think I've ever spent more than that. No, I think so. I think do uh, what FC Mobile videos are really expensive as well, just generally because packs are really expensive on that game. So something I, I think there's I a big it, niche like, for it as well, which is interesting. Yeah, videos aren't doing that well at the minute on it. They were in the summer, but I wonder if it's just... I think right now is, you think about the biggest consumers of YouTube are probably under 16s, right? You know, I see it with my boy and if, um, they... A lot of... Somebody who's like 12, 13 years old, do they do they get the game the day it comes out? Probably not. Mm. So they're, they're probably still playing FIFA 23, right? Using 99 rated cards. Do they really care about a video on 88 rated somebody or other? Do, uh, like, yeah. it's only thing, I, I think that is kind of, this, this is a period where it's generally lighter for, for FIFA videos, FC, Mo, F, FC, Mo, <laughs> FC videos, whatever. It is generally like that. And I think that's one of the things is that a lot of the audience, it's not as appealing. It's like, you know what I mean? You, you said that the viewers are quite young. Yeah. Was that a, a business decision you made going sort of PG yeah. on the main oh, 100%, channel? 100%. So I got messages um, from parents saying, my kids love your videos, but you swear, and I can't have them watch them. And I thought to myself, I was like, right. So I just did some research into consumers of YouTube and gaming and stuff. I was like, I'm being an idiot. Why swear? I don't need to swear. Like mm. for me personally, I don't need to swear. It doesn't add anything to my content. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to swear. Because you're potentially cutting off a huge audience base. And, and the views went... Yeah, not just with that, but it does help. <laughs> yeah. Because you think if, if basically if parents aren't allowing their kids to watch uh, because of, you know, swearing. They're probably the most loyal viewers as well. Probably. One of my uh, family members absolutely loves your channel. You made a video for him a little while back. Okay. He uh, oh, yeah, yeah, binge, yeah. binge watches you. Yeah. And again, like, that's a great example. Like for me, I'm... And all my content when I stream as well, I'm like PG as well. And like yeah. people say, well, why are, you all, why are you so PG? Like... What's the point in swearing for potentially like lacking brand opportunities, mm. lacking extra exposure and stuff? And sometimes, mm. you know, parents watch their kids on because I stream on Facebook, so to speak. So yeah. I'm getting a different audience. Yeah. But like, you don't need to swear. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You don't need to. And and it's again, it wasn't even like it wasn't about get, getting more views, really. It was more. Like that's an outcome of it. But I was just, I want anyone to be able to enjoy the content. Like, why do I make videos? I make videos to give people some enjoyment. I make it, when I'm making it, I just want people to, be able to switch off in the day, have a laugh, have some fun and just switch off. Like, you know, like what I do is not, it's not gonna change the world in terms of like, you know, we're not like making, we're not building a hundred wells in Africa or anything like that, like Mr. Beast has done. It's just give people some light entertainment. So I was like, I want more people to see that. I don't big, want to come off. A big question I've got, whether you want to answer it or not, What's the most money one video's paid you? I don't know. I don't look at it. I don't look at it. And that's, and this is nothing I always say to people when they talk, I'm like, don't focus on money. Focus on your content. Focus on building great content, which people will really enjoy and the money will just happen. If you focus on money and doing things because it gets you money, you're forgetting that the viewers may not like that. Yeah. So you'll, it won't work. Just focus on viewers, focus on how to make better videos and the rest will just happen. So I, I couldn't tell you what the, what the most is. Um, I don't know. Do you, 
when we talked about sort of the the Chester style video and the the success you've had, you, you can name them if you like. Do you get a lot of other YouTube creators coming to you saying, "Can I have some help?" or sort of? Oh, really? So I would assume that like there's probably people out there that maybe they're just not messaged yet, but yeah. just saying like, "Look, Chuff, I can see you're doing well. Do you think you could help me out a little bit or see what I'm doing wrong or something like that?" Because your expertise in that field, you've clearly succeeded in doing what you've achieved i've had a few but not that many i kind of keep my and this i think i keep myself to myself um and that's i don't that's just i don't know i just not because i just do i just i don't know i'm not i say i'm not really the social media minded i'm not i like I, yeah so i don't really like i'd happily chat to people loads I, I don't, but i just don't i don't tweet loads i don't i don't interact with people which i probably should so it's just, so I just don't really, I've had a few, a few people over the, over the time, um, which I'm happily, you know, happily help people out. I like talking about all this stuff. Um, but no, I just, I keep myself to myself and I don't know, I just, I just do in a way. Okay. By the way, I'm not saying that, like, I do answer people, like, <laughs> yeah, but you mean, it's like, cause some yeah, people, yeah. they got loads of like friendships in the scene and they'll all be chatting. It's quite public. Their things are, whereas I'm not, I just, I think if just, anything, like maybe I'm a bit older, I'm 40. So maybe, maybe that's the thing. Everyone's. You know, I just, I don't know. I think if anything, like what you're saying there isn't unordinary because I think everyone does it in some ways. Like, yeah. you know, personally, I don't go and speak to loads of other creators, but I think everyone's so busy sometimes on their own stuff and their yeah. own life that they don't really chat unless you see yeah. each other at an event or a content yeah. event. And then when we do, everyone's like, oh my God, we should do this more. And it's just like, I think sometimes everyone's just so honed in on, on what they're yeah. doing themselves. Yeah, and meeting people. I speak to a few guys. We, we chat quite a bit on WhatsApp, um, but in terms of like my network, I just, I just don't, how did I meet those guys? I can't remember. I think one of them messaged me and we just got chatting, but just don't. Yeah. And this is something I probably should be a bit more active and a bit more, but I just, just get busy with life or trying to focus on the business that, and obviously friends outside of, um, and family and stuff. So it's just difficult. What's the, the struggles of being a YouTube creator that people maybe don't see? Cause it, you know, from the outside in, you look at Chuff's channels, he's got three channels, they're popping off, the views are there. They're probably thinking, oh God, he's making great money as well. And he's got a great yeah. life and whatnot. What's the what's the struggles that comes with balancing three channels and being a dad and going through what you've gone through and just life? Yeah, I think the finding balance is difficult, right? It's, you know, to do something, if you want to do something, you have to sacrifice something else. You know, we only have a finite amount of time. If you want to be in the best shape of your life, you sacrifice going out, drinking, eating what you want. If you want to start a business, whether that be YouTube or anything, you have to sacrifice some other things. So there is that. Um, another thing that's really difficult with this world, I would say, is I'm a single guy, live on my own, my own boss, and I don't have clients. So I have no accountability. So if you're, if you're like, if I was a business and I was selling a product, I've got customers, I've got to make sure I deliver. If I'm late, it will ruin the business. If I upload a video today, or tomorrow, it doesn't really matter. And I struggle with that with routine. So, you know, one of one of the probably the biggest struggles that I've had is kind of getting myself into a decent routine. I think that when I was streaming long hours, I was staying up really late and it was just, you know, the, the time of everything going on. It was, um, it sent me into a bad routine and I struggle with that now. And I think the other thing that I struggle with is get a little bit of recording block. So you get nervous. You put off recording a video because you're nervous. It's not going to be very well. Or And the problem is, the more you think about it, or the more I think about it, like the key for me in my videos is I've got to be natural. The more natural I am, 
the, the better they are just because it's, 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 it's just, it's quite clear. And I'm also, I'm not overthinking it. If I'm overthinking, I'm very much just like, boom, 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 boom. And that's not really that fun. Um, so you're trying to work on that because it's really difficult because you feel pressure, you know, it's kind of like, oh my God. Um, okay. Oh God, there's this expectation now. Um, and but I'm very aware with this stuff, you know, yeah, the, the last year and a half has been crazy. Like it, it's mad. The YouTube side is it's brilliant, but I'm also very aware that I could fall off at any moment. Like it, it happens. You never, and if it does, it does because I'll try my best not to, because I'm always trying to look at making sure that again, you focus on viewers. If you focus on money, you forget about what viewers might want to watch. And that's when you can, you know, it's a risk. But uh, do you find yeah. the job quite, I'd say it's for myself at times, quite lonely? Oh, mate, very lonely, yeah. Yeah, it's really lonely. Like, it's, I, it's, it's probably a bit better now that I have people that kind of work with me and, you know, we, we chat, we're like, become well, friends, right? So, like, Brooksy looks after more chuff on the editing side. Like, Brooksy's one of my mates. Yeah. We're going to we'll be going out. I think we, we'll probably go out again. I think in December we're going to go out for a few beers and stuff. But we chat about other stuff as well. He's, he's actually a, he's a good friend. So that's really good. Um, so that's helping, but there was a time, especially when it was really lonely, when it is just you and you're sat there and you're trying to edit videos for 20 hours and like this may literally only get 10,000 views. And at that point, you, you really, you do care about money because you've got to make a living. You're like, you know, and I think, okay, this, this might earn me, I might get, I think like, I think it's about pound fifty an hour. I think I worked out on some of the videos and so it's not livable. It's not, but you, it, that's when, that was when it was really lonely. Because you are putting everything now, I'm trying to employ people so I can take things away from me, which I struggle with because in a work environment, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and a bit of a control freak in work sense. I struggle. I'm like, ah, I'll do it then. Um, is, there so. a, is there a lot of, well, not a lot, is the times where you'll get the edit back and then you'll go in and do your own little bits as well? No, I never do the edit. So okay. we have a process of where they, they upload it to this app and then I can go and make notes um of of kind of where and, and actually before when i send them the cut video or if they've cut it for me i put some creative notes on before they even edited it because okay. for me it's really important to be part of that creative process um because again that is how you get what's in my head or any ideas i have and then when you find like good editors and good people that can have extra ideas because i always say people I work with like look i'm quite i'm quite blunt and this is probably for my banking days if something's rubbish i'll say it's rubbish it just, you know, and I expect the same. So if I say something and they're like, you know, I want people to be able, like the, the way we kind of work as a kind of team or multiple teams is you, if you have an idea or you disagree with something, speak up. If I, if I record something and I'm not on form, tell me, say, look, you were just, you were just, you know, you were tired. You can't do that. Like I want people to, you know, just feel like they can speak openly. And we've had some, I've had some really heated discussions with people um, both ways, but we all know that's just, this business literally will finish and then we'll be laughing about someone else two minutes later because we all want the best if that makes sense from the idea being in your head yeah. to the video being published yeah what's that timeline how long is that usually can it be as quick as 12 hours 24 hours or usually is it sort of more two to four days more chuff is chufters is like um chufters can be a week 10 days cutting a video down just because you want it ages. perfect as well yeah i spend a lot of time on the cut and and that's why I want people to do it for me because when you're doing it for yourself, and I don't know if you boys had the same thing, but if I do something myself, I spend way too much time on it, where bits I shouldn't, I overthink something. I remember when I was editing videos myself and I'd literally want a certain bit of sound 
for like two seconds, a certain sound effect. I'd search for an hour for it. What a waste of an hour. So and that's uh, so this is why a lot of the stuff, so even with the cutting, working with people, because there'll be a lot more. We've got a good story here. Fine. Whereas I'm like, oh, is oh, three this hours seven later. Seven minutes, six seconds of, yeah, maybe just change that one second there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like sometimes I've got to remind myself I'm not making a film. You know, we're not making a film. We're not making a video that we did once every six months and it's got to be perfect. Is it fun? Does it make sense? Are we kind of abiding by some of the guidelines for like making the videos? Yeah, let's just roll with it. How's it been sort of being a being a dad and sort of balancing this job in some ways? I guess it's good that the, as you said, it's good that you are your own boss. Yeah. But then it also is bad in some ways as well. But overall, I'd say more good because you're not forced to go into work at certain oh, times. You can take time off when you want. How's that sort of helped your, your relationship with your son? Oh, yeah, it's great. It, like, it's difficult because this kind of job, you never switch off, especially with the three channels. I upload every video pretty much every day. So seven videos a week on the React channel and I have a channel manager and he kind of does a lot of that and taking even more. So I basically have very little input um, because sometimes on a weekend, it's like when I have my weekend, my son, I might have to just upload a video, which I don't really like doing, but it's just unfortunately part of it. But the nice thing is like for half term and all these kind of things, I just, I'm like, fine, I've just got a few days off where I can spend it with him, um, which is great. Now he, he's nearly six and he, he's understanding what I do. So so getting recognized is happening more and more. And he really, it was really awkward to because he didn't have, he, he was freaked out and it was mm. really quite weird. But now he's, he gets it and he's, at, he's, he's, he's really comfortable with it, which is good because that worried me a little bit. Cause obviously if I take him to somewhere, it's generally like we go to a soft play, generally kids, um, of age who watch <laughs> the videos. So um, like, oh my God, there's a massive YouTuber here. And they're like, yeah. Oh, what's he doing here? Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. And they come over and, and it's it, honestly, it is, it's one of my fave, like get it's one of my favorite things in terms of not because they're like, oh, because you see the the enjoyment from their face. And you're like, they love the videos, like the smile on their face. You're like, that's amazing. Mm. That it's like doing the video for your yeah. family member. And I get quite a few I do them. I do all of them that I see because like what my, what a gift just my, be able to make somebody yeah. smile. So kid. just for context as well, my member one member of the family, they literally made their own will with my brother and was like doing their own video challenges off your will, you know? Yeah. They absolutely love the will right. challenge videos. And that is, to just give somebody some enjoyment, it's just, like, that is, it's, honestly, it's, it's, it's the best. It's absolutely the best. Other than, sort of, I mean, did you, when you were going into YouTube, did you get inspiration from anyone? I mean, when you look at, like, the wheel, I remember Spencer Owen used to do, like, a, a wheel back in the day. Um, like, who were you watching to sort of get that or wait to watch any i didn't even know i didn't know I the just... side men were okay. i didn't know the side men were until about three years ago i did i had no idea they were like you don't i, I, I didn't i didn't watch youtube I, it just wasn't something i didn't really know about it and uh so for inspiration i didn't um i didn't know spencer owen wheel thing he did like a road to glory thing didn't he yeah like the um oh no i literally wheel just of wheel of fortune yeah the, the wheel stuff came from twitch i used to do wheels on there then I was like, oh, I want to build a squad doing it. I think some other people were using wheels in their videos. Like it's not, it wasn't yeah. something I came up with. But, um, but yeah, it was just fun. It was just people seemed to enjoy it. It was, it was a laugh and yeah, it just came from there. So the inspiration, I watched lots of YouTubers, um, you know, Crunch, definitely one. Um, 
because he was kind of the first one that kind of brought in ideas from outside of FIFA YouTube into FIFA. And it was really interesting, like how he done it. So, you know, you'd watch the structure of the videos to get some tips and things like that about, you know, like structuring and different elements that you might've been doing just to almost or sometimes validate thoughts or things that, you know, um, just like you'd analyze your competitors in any other way. Cause you know, YouTube is, it's a competitive space. There's only a finite amount of time that people spend on YouTube. So you are, you know, you are competing for that time. Um, yeah, I didn't watch much before. In your opinion, top three FC creators, Oh God, I don't know. I don't watch enough. I, honestly, I don't know. I think there's there's so like I don't want to miss anyone out. Yep. But I think there's there's some people doing some amazing things, right? You've got like Crunch is just taking his FC to the football and he's doing amazing. Danny and, the, and like his brand and how he's just built that. Cause like I, I honestly don't understand how Danny does everything. It blows my mind. Like he's gone into the foot asylum yeah. locked in thing and in he tweet he's made like fifty six videos. I'm just like what. Uh, because he, he literally nails every platform. He's on everything. And um, so there's that. There. And it depends what context we're talking about. You know, YouTube, you've got guys like Paz, Pajor, like absolutely smashing views with some different kind of videos. Um, oh, there's loads. B, like, B Ford Lancer. B Ford. Yeah. yeah, he's doing some great stuff as well. With There's so many, honestly, I don't have a top three. I think that it's great seeing so many people do well. And I think that the, the other thing with people putting a lot more effort into their videos and doing these different types of videos and things is that the whole... FC FIFA scene is much bigger now because people who may have switched off because, you know, packs became a bit stale. I've got a theory, well, theory, but if something's too easy, it's never going to work because anyone can do it. And that's why I think packs, it, the supply is huge because anyone can go on and open packs. You know, if you can stream, you can get 20 people, you can do share plays and things. So it's harder because there's more supply out there. So I think that now the scene, a lot of people putting in more efforts to their videos, more ideas, more fun. It draws in an audience because people are like, I don't watch FIFA. I like FIFA. I can say FIFA just because it's easier. <laughs> but they might not have watched it. And then they might see a video, that a crunch video, a Danny video, or Pat, or whatever, mine, whatever. And they're like, well, it's actually quite good fun. And it's grown that base. And I reckon that the viewership base now, you know, like three years ago, people getting three, four million views. I'm not saying the videos are bad, but I'm saying I think the, the base has grown because there's a real mixture of content now. You can watch packs, you can watch Road to Glories, you can watch fun squad builders, you can watch fun challenges, you can watch with an IRL twist. There's so much option of really good content now that I think people who may not play the game will still watch it. Whereas before, I don't know if they would because it was it was it didn't have that creative spark, which I think Danny and Crunch were like the first two to really bring about. I think you, and alongside the people that you said there, this new era, almost, you just raised the bar. You've raised the bar of the, the not necessarily the content itself, but the level of production yeah. that you're putting into it. Like, we had Nep on, on episode one, and when he's sort of talking about the road to glory that he used to do, and it, it was very much like, you you play the game, you'd record it, you'd upload it. Whereas now, it, it's a whole different process, making sure, as you said there, sometimes seven to ten days, crafting a YouTube video. Um, on every episode of the Full 90, we do a segment called Buckley's Big Question. Okay. Um, I think it's quite fitting with yourself. You started streaming, now you've gone into YouTube. Um, I wrote a question down on a document that me and Brandon did. I've changed it mid-podcast. Oh, okay. The question that I'm going to ask is, if you could only pick one, and this is to success of any degree, Twitch streamer, 
or YouTube creator for yourself, what would you rather do? YouTube, 100%. Even if on Twitch you were the biggest streamer on that platform? Yeah, still YouTube. And what? why is that just... I think there's just way more scope for fun and creativity. And I think uh, they're so different though. Like, uh, so I'm coming back to streaming because I want to just have some fun. Like, I, I don't think I'll get great number. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I'm not even bothered. I just want to do it, just have some fun. And also chat to people and just feel that, like, just get let them get to know me a bit more outside of YouTube. Um, it won't be much, but I just think for me, I like the process of making videos. I think you can be a bit more creative in terms of, you know, production and things you can do and you can kind of cut it and edit and make, I just, I just like, I like the idea of that. Streaming, I think that it's just very different and you've got to be more, I think streaming, you've got to be more consistent unless you're massive, right? Unless you're somebody like, I don't know, but like Kai Sina or something, right? Bang, absolutely banging views right now. But he's doing really creative stuff. Like he's doing really mad stuff, isn't he? Did he did a proper summathon. I think he went for about Yeah, he did, yeah. Forty days straight, record for a yeah. number of things. But that's mad. He's doing something like some prison. I and I yeah. actually click and watch some of his streams because I'm interested. I love I love learning about what people do and how people become successful and things like that. I, I love it. Do you know what I see? I see uh, on the recommended, I'll see eighty five thousand views. And I'll just go, What's happening here then? Yeah, Why is there that many people watching yeah. this? And I'll just click in there. Um, but no, I, I just thought it was quite interesting with sort of you coming back to Twitch as well and seeing if you could only pick one, but YouTube all the way. I think it'd be YouTube for me, yeah. What's the the goals now? I know you've said a little couple of hints of what you're trying to aim for, but like a year from now, you're, what, you're nearly a million subscribers across the three channels. You know, you've still got some great reach on your socials. What's the goal? What's next? What do you want to? What do you want to do next? And so I'm trying to grow like my brand outside of YouTube because it's very small. Like it just is because I don't. So it's trying to grow that. And then with the YouTube side, I don't really. It's a funny one. Like you should have targets and numbers and things. I but I don't. Like I'm not. I'd rather views over subs because I think it's I think of some of the audience, right? Some people, if somebody's, they may not have their own accounts. Somebody's 10, 11, they don't have their own accounts, so they can't subscribe. So subscribers are all good for you know for posts and, and making me feel good about myself and things but i think just it's hard to quantify just want people to enjoy the videos and i guess that is shown by views but then you can have a video which is really good fun and people probably prefer but if the idea is not quite as good as another one that might get more views because people are clicking it more but this you might think it's a better video i think it's just for me it's just constant improving and probably the biggest step on youtube is reaching the level I want to in terms of the fun videos. Cause again, it gets it's scary. Like it is, it really is kind of like, okay, I'm doing this stuff that works and now I want to take a bit of a thing. I don't know how to do that. And I don't really have a network of, um, so where I live, I don't really, and my friends are all in, my friends, old school friends I've just reconnected with. They're like 40. They're not, they didn't know what YouTube were. They were like asking about like, they don't like, not my friends, they have no idea you can earn money from YouTube. Like when I was talking to them, they were like, oh right, must be difficult then, I'll get the drinks. You're just like, no, I'm all right, mate. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's because it's alien. To, and I didn't know it either. I had no idea that you can actually make a living from this thing. Um, so, yeah, it's really just getting out some of these videos I want to do. I've got a couple of big ideas. And that's probably my target. Make those videos. If I make them how I want to make them, they should do well over the long term. And then any subscribers. I'll hit a million subscribers at some point, maybe in a year or two. I don't know. But... I don't mind when it's, it's not about how many subs, just as long as people just enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Yeah. And I want to grow my brand just because I think that helps me for, you know, that's why I do the reacts channel because I didn't want to just focus all on football. 
And that was a bit of a brave decision. So I did a few football reaction videos and they did really well, you know, a couple hundred thousand views. And then I was like, I'm not doing football anymore. And some of the guys were like, why? Like, what are you doing? I said, no, I want to do general. I want to be able to do anything. And the first video didn't do that well. I was like, no, but it's going to take a while. And now that channel's doing all right. And like, you know, it's only been going for six months. We've hit 100,000 subs and yeah. Last one from us. Um, how do you want to be remembered as sort of chuffs as the creator? Like when people speak about you, like we called you maybe one of the goats of the uh I'm not one of, I don't think of myself as one of the goats at all. It's mad. I just think that people, I've seen people say, oh, my childhood has been watching. So I just think people just remember enjoying watching the videos. That's all. That's all I need. To, like if somebody remembers when they were, or whenever, oh, we used to watch that guy. They're good fun videos. That's, that's all that matters. Well, there we have it. Chufters, thank you so much for your time, mate. No, thank great, you for having me. Great to hear about how you flipped your career, started YouTube maybe a lot later than others and, you know, you're absolutely popping off right now. Appreciate it. Thank you. And there we have it. That's the story of Chufters. What an inspiring story as well it was, Rich, from working in the banking world to then becoming a Twitch streamer to a YouTuber and now, what, nearly a million subscribers across the board. From dealing with millions in the banking industry to millions of views on YouTube. Um, it's a story that not many people can tell, but I'm very glad that we got Chufters in to, uh, to let us know how it all went down. Whether you watch this podcast or listen to it, we appreciate you watching the Full 90 podcast and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.